calls of this nature. Dial seven. Hello. Babe, I miss you. I see you. I see one who is too blessed to be stressed, even in a world where it seems as though you give more but receive less. One heartache away from surrender, you took an extra step and you continued. Through faith, you believe in God, but wear a mask when times are hard. But I see you. One of God's most beautiful creations who needs to be told, the determined woman who wants to make her house a home. An angel from heaven and now a blessing here on earth, an extraordinary unique woman of abundant worth. A penny for your thoughts and a dollar for your smile. It's like the sun beneath the clouds. Infatuated with life, a tear when it's wrong, but a smile when it's right. Holding on for your own, too blessed, too beautiful, too strong. Too sweet to be true, Rashida Duffy, you are my heaven sent angel, and I see you. This is Wetlock, my true unscripted chronicles as a prison wife. Join me on my journey as I bring you crazy stories, informative facts, updates on my husband, advice from my family and friends, and special guests giving their true life stories on the prison system. This is not your average love story. Welcome to Wetlock. Hey guys, and welcome to bonus episode 16. Guys, we are four more episodes to season two. And again, as I have stated so many times, I am so excited for the coming of season two. I have so much in store and I'm just ready to jump into it. I'm ready to tell you guys all about it, but I'm not. You have to tune in. You have to make sure you listen and you definitely have to make sure you subscribe to the bonus episode channel on Apple or just pay for the subscription, guys. $4.99 a month or I have a deal going on Apple for $55 for an entire year. And I also have a three-day free trial where you can listen unlimited and decide if you want to pay for your subscription. And hopefully you do. Hopefully you do, guys. I have a lot of more seasons to come. This has been a wonderful experience as I jump into season two. I can even tell how my podcast has improved. Um, My numbers are going up and I'm just so excited. So I want to just say thank you guys for the continued support. As I tell you every Friday, this would not be possible without you guys. So... I want to jump and jump. <laughs> I want to jump into my topic of the day. As I said in bonus episode 9 that I wanted to kind of talk about some things that transpired between myself and my husband last week that prompted my amazing poem that he wrote for me, I see you. 
So today's topic, I'm going to talk about being invisible, being invisible to the prison system. And if you guys know, invisible is to be seen, but not visible to the eye. And that's exactly how I felt last week, guys. I felt invisible. I felt invisible to my husband. Um, My husband is really trying to fight for his two-point reduction that he was supposed to receive and did not get. And the reason why I am fighting this fight with him, first of all, yes, because he's my husband and I want him home. But one of my main reasons is because I feel totally responsible. I feel responsible, guys, because when me and my husband first, you know, got into the loving and relationship part before we even became engaged and and married, um, again, we're friends. We were friends. And my husband hadn't even received a court day yet. He hadn't even received his plea deal or anything. He had just been sitting at a holding facility for about two years at that time. And once, you know, our relationship started to form, of course, it got emotional. You know, we became very emotional and attached to each other in a way that was totally different from just the normal platonic friendship that we had. So again, you know, our friendship was there, but when this became the man that I was falling in love with, I felt I needed to figure out how to help him more, like how to help him come home. Um, although, like I said, he was my friend, you know, and I cared for him as my friend. I loved him as, as my friend. I didn't want to overstep. I felt as if I really didn't have a place but his friend. So I really didn't talk about his case that much. I really didn't like getting his business too much about what was going on with it. I knew the normal facts that everybody probably knew at that time. But once we got closer, once I got to really know him on a different level, once I began to care for him on a different level and the feelings started really coming fast, I then felt like this is my man. Like, and I have to try to figure out how do I help him? And with doing so, um, he ended up putting me in contact with his attorney. I began communicating with his attorney. And his attorney, you know, was super cool. Like, we communicated um, a few times a week in the beginning. And once all that started taking place, eventually the attorney came to the table with a plea deal. My husband did not want to take this deal, guys. He did not want to take this deal because he just felt like, you know, he shouldn't have been there. He felt as if, you know, he was already given two years, getting closer to three years there, and he was just really ready to come home. But my husband really wanted to go to trial, and that bothered me. You know, I'm not really 100% knowledgeable on the entire federal system when it comes down to cases and jail and 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 the sentencing guidelines all these things that I have learned now within this process um but the one thing that I do know 
without a shadow of a doubt about the federal government is that they have a 99.9 conviction rate. And I knew that if my husband went to trial, they were going to do everything in their power to throw the book at him, as they say. I did not want that from my husband. So it was talking to his lawyer. His lawyer broke down some things to me and explained to me about this plea deal. Um, and within this plea deal, my husband had a certain amount of time to sign it because he could also get a two point reduction for COVID. You know, sitting in court, sitting in jail for two years, not being able to go to court had a lot to do with COVID. So they were giving inmates two point reduction um for for covid so he had a certain amount of time when we got the plea deal my husband had literally thursday friday thursday and friday and monday to have this paperwork signed he struggled with it he struggled with it he really didn't want to do it um but with the convincing of myself his knees you know um his family wanted him to come home. What we were told was that he would get 65 months. Being that he had already been where he was for almost two and a half years, you're not, you know, we're like, okay, you'll, you'll be home in like two years, almost maybe, maybe three at the most. So the total time he would have done would have been five years. It took a lot of convincing guys. It took a lot of convincing, but he ended up giving in to, us really saying, listen, you need to come home. You got a whole life ahead of you. If you challenge the federal government, it's a possibility that you can be there for 25 years. And that was a no-go for any of us that cared about him. He eventually decided to sign this plea deal. Well, with signing this plea deal, um, there were issues with him getting the paperwork. I kept calling the jail like, okay, I need for my husband. Well, at the time he was my boyfriend, but I need for him to get his paperwork because there is a deadline. You know, I blew up the lawyer's phone, sent messages, sent messages to the jail and everything about this deadline. This paperwork needed to be signed no later than Friday because it needed to be on his, on his attorney's desk and sent to the DA by Monday. Well, we did not get this paper signed until Monday. Okay. It was, it was a struggle, like a complete struggle. And part of me just started getting so upset because I was like, these people aren't taking it seriously. Like he has a deadline, like his whole plea will go out the door. If this information is not signed in a timely manner. Luckily, I had been leaving messages with messages with his attorney. I had been in correspondence with the jail. One thing about me, I'm going to keep evidence. I'm going to keep records. I'm going to keep documentation. I'm going to keep everything. So I had plenty of proof to show that his paperwork was actually at the jail on time, but had not been given to him. I had sent several messages to his attorney, you know, voice messages and text messages, which I still have records of all of that, just in case something was going to try to come back and make it seem as if he missed the deadline. We finally got everything squared away, paperwork signed and everything. So that was a load off of our backs. Now, once my husband 
got his PSI paperwork back, he ended up getting a few points of enhancement, which made his number, um, his guideline number go up. But with that two points from the COVID, it still kept him where he needed to be. It, it, it enhanced it a little bit, but it still kept him in a reasonable amount of time. And it was really nothing that we could do about that. I mean, we did go, we did sign this paperwork expecting 65 months. 65 months turned into 108 months after his PSI was completed. My husband was upset again, felt like I knew I should have went to trial, but we had to continuously convince him that trial would have been the worst thing that he could have done. And after my husband went to court to get his sentencing, I think he kind of understood why. Because the probation people were really trying to pull his past, really trying to dig, dig, dig. And luckily, that judge was fair. The judge was fair. They didn't have the proper evidence to even try to pull these old situations up. And so, therefore, he could not give them what they were asking for, which was really trying to get my husband to do like 25 some odd years, okay? So they didn't have the proper evidence. They didn't have the proper documentation. It was them just basically saying what they thought, what they read, what they saw. But of course, you know, as a judge, he has to do the responsible thing. He represents the court and he couldn't go off of what they were actually saying. There was nothing in front of him that could could even confirm what they were saying. So... With all that being said, when my husband got his sentence, his sentence was 135 months. Keep in mind, originally, we were told 65 months. 65 turned into 108 when he got his enhancement. And some kind of way, it went from 108 to 135. And that was the sentence that my husband received. With a lot of confusion going on, you know... um, my hud there there was some technicalities there was plenty of technicalities that happened that day that we we saw but we weren't really paying attention to until of course after the fact a my husband never received his PSI for him to go over it, read it in a timely manner that is allowed to him. He didn't see it until that day he was in court with it right in front of his face. The second thing was that he never even signed his sentencing. When he left court, he did not. My husband's signature is nowhere on his sentence. The third thing was that his two-point reduction that he originally signed within his plea deal was not on his paperwork. So it made my husband's sentencing guidelines go from a 29 to a 31. And I will get into that on my serious note facts. But this is what my husband is fighting for. This is what we are fighting for. And the reason why I feel, I feel partly responsible is because... I literally was convincing. I was so convincing of this is the right thing to do. Take this plea, 65 months, you get the COVID reduction. And so when all of that fell apart, once he got his sentence, I felt responsible. I felt like it was my responsibility to help him get what I actually 
convinced him of doing. You know, my husband has a mind of his own. I didn't make him do anything, but I basically convinced him and I, you know, I gave him all the facts that the lawyers gave me. I did a little bit of research and I basically pled my case as well that this was the best thing for him to do. And so within doing that and and to find out that he didn't get exactly what he was supposed to get, I do feel like it's partly my responsibility to help my husband get what he's supposed to have. This is what he was told. This is what I was told. And now I feel like an accomplice to an attorney that really did not do exactly what he set out to do for my husband. And so we have to go to war. If we have to go to war, we have to go to war. But I feel responsible because I basically brought this deal to the table um, and, 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 and just basically pled my case for him to do this. So this has been, this has been an ongoing situation ever since he got his sentence. My husband has been dead set on these two points. And when I tell you, it's almost as if my husband is has a wonderful personality he's fun he's loving and everything but these two points have been like a dagger in his side he cannot rest he cannot think past these two points in every conversation that me and my husband have those two points come up and last week it just felt like i was suffocating as if the two points had a rope around my neck my husband went on a manic just explosion all last week it was about these two points well really the past two weeks it was about these two points he wants his two points. I need to call this person. I need to call that person. I need to get this person on the phone. I need to submit emails to this person and that person. And every day, every day it was about these two points. It got to the point where even all his messages was in capital letters about these points. My husband wanted me to call the senator's office, the president, the vice president, the federal government, the attorney, everybody i mean he want me to protest get picket signs made about these two points and i'm when i say this i can laugh at it now but he was extremely serious about these two points for whatever reason my husband is not going to be content until he sees these literally two points come off of his sentencing guideline number now we filed an appeal i literally went to the courthouse in Macon, Georgia, and filed an appeal for my husband three days after he got his sentence, an appeal was filed. Within that time, myself, his niece, his sister, everyone called his attorney trying to figure out what was going on with these two points. I have yet, nor my, myself, nor his niece, nor his sister, even my husband has heard from his attorney. During the process of him even getting sentenced, during the process of his PSI coming back, my husband never heard anything from his attorney. His attorney never reached out to any of us either. I mean, as many phone calls as we made, everything, we never heard anything from the attorney. My husband's court date was rescheduled two times. 
there was not one phone call made to us to let us know that his uh, court date was rescheduled. The only reason why we knew is because I myself have a Pacer account and I was able to log on and I was able to see where my husband's court dates were being rescheduled. So just think about the fact that your family is thinking you have court on this day and everybody is not, is calling off work. You know, people are getting arrangements done so they can come to court and it's an hour and a half away from here. And your lawyer is not even contacting your family to let them know that it's being rescheduled. That happened twice. And Thank God that I did have the access that I had so that we would know what was going on. And that's the only reason why we knew what was going on. We had to either call or go on Pacer. One of the two, myself, his niece, his sister, like we were the ones that were proactively trying to figure out what was going on without the help of the attorney. So we go we fast forward back to court. He goes to court. He gets this sentence. And the next day he's livid because he doesn't have his two points. The two points took him to 135 months as opposed to 108 which his attorney guaranteed that he was going to make sure that he had so these two points have been haunting me um and again all last week that's all he talked about i mean it was as if my life did not matter it was as if nothing that i had going on it did it had no value to him because he needed me to do everything for him to try to get him his two points and everything that i was doing was not good enough he he was like i need more like you're not doing enough i need more i need you to call this person more and i got to the point where i just broke because i felt invisible i felt invisible i felt like okay i'm here I'm here. I'm fighting for you. I'm helping you. I'm doing the best that I can. But I also have to get up every day and secure my life. I have to get up every day and make sure that my bills are paid. I have to get up every day and make sure that my businesses are ran. I have to get up every day. Is is If anybody doesn't know from listening to this podcast, I have a million and one things going on. So I have so much on my plate on top of helping my husband. And for whatever reason, it was all just watered down as if nothing that I was doing was good enough and I wasn't doing enough for him and I, I needed to fight harder and it broke me it broke me I mean it was to the point where I was like I don't know if I can do this I don't know if I can do this because I can't this can't be my life every once or twice a month we're going back and forth about these points there's my my husband started becoming very impatient very selfish his vision was completely tunneled and I was really at that point where I was like oh no 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 you would not you would not make me seem so small that the, the things that I'm doing aren't amounting to anything and I really had to reach out to my best friend as much as I don't like to put her in the middle and just be like, hey, you know, he's going off the deep end here. You know, I'm trying my best, but I'm also out here fighting to make sure that 
He has a home to come to, you know, um, businesses to come to. So he doesn't have to go out there and, and, and wind up back where he is. Like I'm doing a lot. And so I completely felt invisible. I was, my emotions were all over the place. I did not like my husband at all last week. I love my husband, but I did not like him last week. I did not like him because he was not seeing me. He wasn't seeing all the things that I was doing, all the sacrifices that I was making um, in the midst of trying to help him to printing out paperwork. You know, if you got legal paper paperwork, you already know it's a lot. So I'm printing out legal paperwork, mailing paperwork to him. For whatever reason, I mailed my husband four different packages that I had to go get copy keep a copy at home, send to him. Um, some, of the, some of the paperwork didn't get to the jail. Some of the paperwork they kept. And he was so mad at me like it was my fault. It was my fault that the mail didn't get there. I should have did it this way. I should have did it that way. And guys, let me tell you something. Let me explain something to all the wives, girlfriends, fiancés out there. This is going to be what you have to deal with on a regular basis because you become their personal assistant you become their secretary you become their coo ceo whatever you want to call it they depend on you to do all these things for them and again as i stated in my last episode you have to have strength to keep going within this process because they will get very selfish and they will forget about you and everything you have going on because they're trying to come home they're trying to get out and it becomes about them and that's exactly what I went through with my husband last week and I was angry I was upset my feelings was hurt because I'm like oh my god like all the stuff that I'm doing he don't even see that And the one thing that stuck out the most to me is that my husband's patience just went out the door. I had to explain to my husband, I have no control over the court system. I wish I did. I wish I did. You wouldn't even, you could only imagine what I would do if I had control over the court system. I don't have control over the court system. I can only do things within the process of each situation. I filed an appeal. That was the best thing that I could have did without his attorney's help, without communicating with his attorney. When his paperwork came back, he had something he had to fill out. Within the process of him being moved from one jail to one jail and finally at where he is now, he had to send me things. We had the holidays in the midst of it, so mail was running slow. And once he, once his paperwork got back to me that he filled out, I then had to mail it back to the appeals court. So we're talking about a lot of mailing. We're talking about the fact that we have to count in business days when these courts are um, operational. Just a lot of things go within this situation. And my husband, all of that went out the window to him. All of it went out the window to him. Nothing had been done how he wanted it to do, how he felt like it was supposed to be done, only because he's not getting a response back. Everything that I'm doing, everything that his niece is doing, his sister's doing, everything we're doing is in with, within the, the guidelines of how to do it. It's the process. We're following the process step by step, A, B, C, and D, the whole way through. 
my husband is not looking at it like that. He wants to come home, but he also is not going to be satisfied until these two points. In the midst of the two points, you know, he wants me to call all these different places and do this and do that because of these two points. Now, outside of two points, he also wants me to figure out other ways for him to come home sooner. And I've done all of that. I've talked to him about the CARES Act. I've talked to him about the first the first step at all these different things that my friend Demita has also helped me with um learning about and 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 getting an understanding about. I take it to my husband all the time, but guys, all of all of that went out the window. Completely went out the window. And I couldn't take it. I couldn't take it. I had a breaking point. And a lot of it had to do with the fact that not only am I trying my best to do everything in my power to help my husband come home, I'm also out here trying to maintain everything I have going on. It's just me. It's just me. No, I don't have any kids. Thank God. Not saying it like that, but it's just me. We are still coming, recovering from the middle of a pandemic, which means that two of my businesses slowed up, you know, so I'm having to keep myself going and everything else I have going on so that I can be okay, so that my mom can be okay, you know, so that I can continue to generate income, money, savings, um, everything so that I will be okay. You know, my life will be secured. And it's hard. It's really hard when you're trying to maintain all these things and then you have somebody else that you're trying to help too. And for them to just not see you and you become completely invisible, all the stress you're under, you know, all the being tired every day because you're going and going and going and going and going and somebody is still trying to squeeze juice out of a dried up turnip. It was a lot. (laughs) It was a lot. And again, I was not my husband's biggest fan last week. But I will say this. We got past it and we made it through. Like, literally, I had to... I just broke... I broke down and I explained to my husband exactly how he made me feel. And now I'm going to say... Whenever I do that to my husband, he does not like it. My husband does not like for me to feel the way that he made me feel. He doesn't like it. And so when I had to verbally come out or email the words for him to actually read and digest of how he made me feel he apologized and he just said you know I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about how I just made you feel and I'm sorry I did not take into consideration of anything that you're going through right now just the everyday just stress of life like I didn't think about any of that and he apologized 
He told me he was going outside. He needed some time to think because he wanted to write something for me. And you know, guys, I told him, I said, you don't have to write anything for me. Just the fact that you acknowledged me and you apologized and you saw me, you heard me, you saw me. That was enough for me. And within two hours, he sent me that poem and it just melted my heart because my husband's not a bad person. He's so loving and I love my husband. I love my husband. I'm in love with my husband. We laugh, we play, we have the best of times. But I also know that my husband has these manic episodes when he's ready to go. And this is what happens to incarcerated people. They get to those points. I mean, I can only imagine waking up every day feeling like I'm about to suffocate and I need to go. And so I take all that into consideration and that's why I always see him. I just needed him to see me. I needed him to see me and the things that I deal with on a regular basis, just as I see what he deals with on a regular basis. And he did. And I love him for that. I love him for that. Um, We got past it. We got past it. But in the midst of all of that, I found some things out. You know, I made some phone calls and I learned a few things. And so now, you know, one thing I know for sure, guys, is that if you put pressure on things, pressure breaks shit. You know, if I'm left alone to handle my business, you know, love, encouragement, you know, different things like that push me to go to go, to push me to be my best self, push me to handle my business. It's like a cable to my back. But if you push me into a corner and you put so much pressure on me, I will get stagnant and I won't move. And so when I made those phone calls and I started learning a little bit more and I got amped up like, okay, so this is the direction we can go. I have no problem fighting for my husband. I have no problem calling, talking to whatever I need to do for my husband because my husband is in the right. He deserves his points. He deserves his points. But my husband can't forget about me in the process. And this is something as a wife, not a fiance, not a girlfriend, but this is something as a wife that I signed up for. And my husband definitely is going to keep giving me material (laughs) for my podcast. Okay. But I'm saying all this to say, we become invisible to the prison system sometimes. And you have to be strong enough to really fight through that and to really not be so mad at him and so angry at him and just understand. But it doesn't mean that you should be overlooked, that you should not be appreciated and that you should not become invisible. You should not become invisible. So if you are dealing with that, if you have those times, which I'm quite sure that that we all do, I'm quite sure that you all do, just remind your husband to look at you, to see you and to hear you and that you're doing the best that you can do. 
I feel like my husband puts an S on my chest. He tells me all the time, I'm superwoman. You can do anything. I believe you can You can heal the world. You can change this. You can change that. And I love that. I love that my husband believes in me so much. He thinks I can do anything. And he does. And honestly, there's not one time that I haven't set out to do something and I haven't done it. So I can't be mad at him for looking at me like that because I prove him right every single time. Every time I do. I'm not going to lie. I do. But that comes with a lot of pressure too. Because if you continuously show that you are this strength and you show that you can make these things happen, of course, people will become dependent on you for that. And so I had to think about that too, guys. But we do need to be seen. We do need to be heard. And no matter what, guys, you know, I say I'm always going to keep it 100. I'm always going to keep it real. I'm always going to be unscripted, uncut with my marriage, with this journey. And this is definitely one of the things that we all have to deal with. And this won't be the last time. This will not be the last time, but I'm just hoping and praying my faith is in We've crossed this line before and we won't have to go back to this particular feeling that I experienced last week with my husband. And he made up for it when he wrote me that poem. That poem brought tears to my eyes. I'm telling you, I was like, how can I How can I feel him cutting onions from all the way from where he is to, to home, you know? So, and I love him for that. He made up for it. Um... And again, I also understand where he is and and what he's fighting for. You know, my husband has kids. You can push me to the side. My husband has kids that he's trying to come home to. My husband has parents that he's trying to come home to. And his family that he's trying to come home to. Yes, he's made mistakes. Yes, you know, hey, you do the crime, you do the time. All of that. And I had to remind him of that too. You know, you still have repercussions and consequences to certain things you know so you still have to stand up and handle your business and he knows that he knows that but I do understand the older that we get the more that we acquire the more life that we want to live it becomes a desperation and my husband is ready to come home like he's ready to come home and start this life with me He's ready to be around those girls he have. You know, he's ready to go home to his mom. You know what I'm saying? It's it's just a lot. And so I 100% totally support my husband. I'm going to continue to fight for my husband um, because I feel responsible, so to speak. But also because that's my husband and I love him and he's my friend. And I want my friend, my husband, the love of my life to come home. But I promise you nothing is going to be right until he see those two points. So I already know that this is a, this is going to be up here. This is going to happen again. This is going to happen again. These two points is, is like a nightmare. The two point nightmare. That's what I'm gonna call it. This is the two point nightmare, but we're going to get through it. We are definitely going to get through it. And guys, that is my topic of the day. Being invisible to the prison system. All I can say is that we as the women in these men's lives, we have to continue to speak love, encouragement, 
and strength into them. And we have to do our best, let them know we're doing our best, but also also reassure them that our best doesn't mean that nothing is happening. It's things that's happening. We just can't control it. We have to continue to have faith in God, you know, continue to talk about God, speak on God, speak on faith. And just let them know that everything will be okay. We need them to understand that so that we can be sane to continue on our day to day. We are out here by ourselves without our men. You know, you, you, you want that hug. You need that strength. So we're being everything to ourselves and our husbands. So again, guys, thank you so much for joining me for bonus. I'm sorry, not bonus. Thank you again for joining me for episode 16. This was a long one. This was a long topic, but this is something that I really wanted to talk about today. Um, Because this is one of the things that can ruin your marriage, ruin your relationship where you just get so tired and you just want to give up. Don't give up sit back, assess the situation, understand what your man is going through, what this government and his prison system has done to him and what he's fighting for. And you have to also sit back and think about how it's affecting you. And you guys have to communicate about that. Communication is everything. If it's love and it's real love, it will work itself out. And that is my topic of the day, guys. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for tuning in again. This is episode 16. And we are going to jump into story time. So it is time for the story of the day, quote unquote, story time. And guys, I just wanted to share something with you. Um, I hadn't really talked about this. You know, I try to keep everything upbeat when it comes to story time. But I also want to just keep, you know, keep it, keep it real, keep it unscripted. Um, And my truth, our truth, me and my husband's truth. And I just literally want to tell you about my husband's nephew, um, the passing of Step. Now, if you know me, if you don't know me, I have never been good with death. Death has never been my thing. I've never been a person that like going to funerals. If I go to a funeral, I'm not going to awake. You know, I try to keep my distance from that. Even with my own family, I've never been good when it comes to death. And when I tell you, I grew up. I grew up the day that I had to be a representation for my husband. At the time, you know, he was my fiance and I had to step up. Like I really had to step up. I I grew up within this process because I run from death. I've always, I've never, ever, ever wanted to be 
a part of it. Like when all my friends have passed away, you know, I go to the funeral. I, I pay my respects to the family. I don't linger around. I don't linger at the cemetery. I don't linger at the wakes. I kind of just pay my respects and I go. I have never been good when it came to that. But with my husband being incarcerated, I had to be a representation of my husband. And I did not know what the hell I was doing. I just knew that my husband needed me. I knew that he was going to call me and want to know certain things. And I had to really put my fears to the side, um, things that spooked me about death to the side, because that's what he needed from me. I, I had to be his ears and his eyes. And when it, when I first got the news, I was a nervous wreck to even tell him what was going on. And I was trying to get to him before anybody else got to him. Me and his niece was on the phone, my best friend. And I was like, oh my God, you know, they wanted somebody they wanted they wanted to get they wanted him to hear it from somebody rather than read it on a email from the streets or or or, you know somebody telling him so we were on pins and needles until he called me and when he called me the first thing he said was what's going on he said i got all these emails but i opened yours first and I've never, I've never had to be put in that position before. And that was so hard for me. It was very hard for me to tell him that his nephew passed away. Like, I don't like to be the bearer of bad news. I would rather opt out for that. That was the first time I had to step up and really be a fiance, a soon to be wife and understand like, wow, this is actually a part of this job. And... I didn't like it. I didn't like it because I didn't want to be on the receiving end of him becoming emotional. Something about a man being emotional emotional and a man crying just does something to me. It's like, it hurts. It hurts to witness that. And I, but I had to tell him, um, it wasn't easy. The days leading up to that, it wasn't easy. I had to get on a phone. I had to set up for him to be able to watch his nephew's service via um, virtually. You know, he wasn't in a good mood. It, it was a lot. It was a lot tied into that. And um, it was hard watching my best friend go through it. It was hard watching his family go through it. But it was even harder for me to know my husband was somewhere where he could not do anything about it. Just completely helpless. Completely helpless. Um, And it was just hard to witness that. It was really, really hard to witness that. When when he, when I went to Steps Wake, you know, and, and also, guys, he was my friend, too. Step was my friend, too. You know, I, I would help him with his music. Um, I used to do a lot of promo stuff for him. He had just recently reached out to me about wanting to get back in and want me to help him. So this was still my family too. This was my, still my friend too. And I couldn't even process my feelings about step because I, I, my husband needed me. He needed me. My best friend needed me. So I, even her, her kid's dad, which was also my bet, they needed me. And I, I couldn't, I didn't have time to worry about how I felt because they needed me. 
And so I can just remember going to the wake and, and his niece, Dalen was there. And, you know, I love Dalen to death. That's like my child. And, oh, my God, to see her so broken up, it tore me apart. So now I have to be here for her, too. And, guys, I sat inside that funeral home for the first time in my life. I sat inside a funeral home inside of the room where step body was. And I amazed myself. I amazed myself. I grew up within this process because my husband wanted me to be there. He wanted to call. He wanted me to be there when he called. And... My insides were just, oh my God, because I have never, when my grandfather passed away, when other people have passed away in my family, my grandmother, I have never been good with this. I've never spent any time with anybody's body, okay? And I pulled this strength from somewhere and I just, I was there. I sat there. I want to say I was there for like an hour or so in this room with Step. I couldn't really look at him, but I was there. And then my husband called and wanted to say something to him. That was something I was like, huh? But he needed that. He needed that. And so I got myself up out that seat and I put the phone to Steph's ear. I have never been that close. I have never been that close to a dead body in my life. You know, even my own family members, but my husband, he needed me and I just had to be there for him. And that's why I know it was a lot of things within my relationship with my husband um, that I knew. I knew I loved him. I knew I loved him. I knew that this was my forever because everything that I accomplished that I overcame within my marriage, within being his fiance, within being his girlfriend, it was all different for me, but I had no problems with it. It just felt natural. It felt like this is what I'm supposed to do. You know, he needs me and I just stepped up, you know, I stepped up for him. I stepped up for my best friend, I stepped up for them because this is what was needed for me. And it definitely changed me. I grew up within that situation because I ran from those type of things for so long. And of course it freaked me out too. You know, it freaked me out too, to be putting the phone to his ear, but that's what my husband needed, you know? And so after that, you know, he 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 was okay. You know, he was okay, but it was still a process. You know, hearing my husband cry over the phone, it made me think about my brother when my dad passed away. I never seen my brother cry as a man before. And that was hard. You know, that was hard. That is really, really a hard thing to witness when we watch the men that we love just hurt and cry. And after the after the wake, you know, I, I stayed on the phone with my husband. And that was probably when I talked to him the most. Me and my husband got really, really close around this time. We got closer because we started talking about life. We started talking about death. We started talking about God. Um, he started showing me sides of him that I had never seen before. I'd never seen him so vulnerable before. And 
we got a lot closer. And within that time, you know, of course, you know, when the funeral came and, you know, when to the burial came, you know, I, I, I stayed on the phone with him. Everything that was going on, detail for detail, I was on the phone with my husband, telling my husband what was going on. Um, when they lowered his casket into the ground, you know, I made sure that I threw a rose in there for my husband. I just had to represent my husband and that was big for me. That was, that's why when I say I grew up, that's what I mean when I say I grew up, I grew up in this situation and the amazing part about it was that my husband, my, my husband's nephew stepped was actually buried a couple of feet from my dad. My dad's plot, my family's plot was right a a quick drive around the corner. And I mean, literally not even two minutes. If you get in your car and you drive around two minutes, my, my family's plot was there. My dad was there. My aunt was there. My grandfather was there. Um, my great, my great grandparents was there. And I just, you know, I had not visited my father's grave. This process of step passing away is what made me visit my dad's grave. This is what got the whole engagement um, proposal. And, and I hadn't been there for years. And to know that step was right there close to my dad I just went and I told my dad look out for him you know it gets dark out here you know look out for him and that that's a memory I always hold on to that is a memory I always hold on to and my husband knows how that really what that means to me um my best friend was right there by my side when I went to see my dad you know we were both hurting we were hurting on different different in different ways but the same way and once there was peace, you know, after after someone passes away, after the funeral, once there's peace of the burial, um, it's like closure and you begin to heal. And my husband get, began to heal. He still had his days. You know, he still would have his dreams where Step would come to him in his dreams. He even still had days where he blamed himself, you know, for being where he is and not being out here to, you know, help his nephew or be there for his nephew and, um, you know, things of that um, sort. But it made me and him closer. Um It made us understand life, love, God, faith, a lot more, a lot different. And so I knew, I knew that that is one of the things that made me know this was, this was the love of my life. This was who I was going to spend my forever with. And it's nothing that we can't go through. I've gone, I've actually had a lot of um different things me and my husband has actually experienced some news you know some 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 news some highs and some lows some some new things um with him even being behind prison a lot of things that I've never experienced that I've never done I've never talked about the same for him why we we actually have been experiencing some things um already within our 
marriage. And that's why I continuously say nothing is different. Nothing is different with our marriage or our relationship. It's only that he's incarcerated. We still face real life situations. We still face real life challenges. We still face up and down. Same thing, except he's just not right here in my face. That's the only thing. And this was big. This was a big one for us. Um, And it's something that I hope I don't have to go through, you know, again with him. I, I really just, I wanted so bad to be there for my husband um, in a physical way, but emotionally and mentally, um, I think I did a good job and just to see my husband's strength, even to see his family strength, you know, I, I had bought a plant. I had bought a plant from me and my husband for steps, um, services. And, you know, it, it was, it was at the funeral home and now the plant is actually sitting at my husband's mom's house. Plant still looks good. I mean, that plant still looks good and it just makes me smile every time I go into her house because I think about step, I think about my husband and that plant is still looking good. And that is my story of the day, guys. That's my story of the day. The passing of step, step, rest in peace. You are truly, truly missed. You are truly, truly missed and loved. And again, guys, as I said before, there's nothing different. There's nothing different with my marriage except for the fact that my husband is incarcerated and I cannot wait for him to come home. But that guys is my story of the day thank you again for joining me on episode 16 so much more to come in season two guys i can't thank you enough as i said before my numbers are growing my subscriptions are growing my listeners are growing thank you again and it is now time for the meme of the day As you guys know, I have started a support group, Fed Up Wives, supporting wives of incarcerated federal inmates. This is a nonprofit organization set to help both emotionally and mentally, but financial as well. To contact Fed Up Wives, please email fedupwives.org at gmail.com. The contact number is 404 927 8011. Please like and join the Facebook page, Fed Up Wives Organization. You guys have supported me, and now it is time for me to support you. Now back to the show. The meme of the day. When two hearts survive time and distance apart, they discover true love. With true love, they can overcome any obstacle. And that is the meme of the day. That is a perfect meme for today's episode. If you want to check out the meme of the day, you can find them on the social media platforms. Instagram is Wetlock Chronicles Podcast. Twitter is Wetlock Podcast. You can also find them uploaded on the website. Now, 
we are going to jump into my favorite part of all the episodes, updates on my husband. Well, you guys, we have reached my favorite part of the episode, and that is giving you the updates on my husband. My husband is hilarious. Okay, so guys, let me tell you. Yesterday, I laughed so hard at my husband, I got sleepy. I, I mean, like, literally, I think I laughed about my husband for like an hour. So, let me just tell y'all what happened. Yesterday, um, I sent my husband an email. I'm all excited, like, yeah, babe, you know, I'm getting all these interviews lined up for season two and... I just had an amazing interview with um a couple. You know, I'm, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get more couples and poems and letters. So, excuse me, guys. So, I go into telling him about how I had this amazing interview with this couple, Maurice and Amy, you know, and I start telling him, you know, like we talk about love and obstacles, you know, talk about a little bit about his sentence and what he's going through and just the strength and da-da-da-da. I'm telling him all this stuff and I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I'm like, you know, he's real cool guy and I start talking about like the, the time that he's facing. So I'm telling my husband all these things. I'm updating him with everything. I talk about the podcast. I talk about my certification that I just got, which is which is um, leading into a business that me and my husband are trying to start together. So I'm telling him all these amazing things. Guys, when I tell y'all, my husband emailed me back. And I promise you, my email had to have been in Chinese except for... That one line that said, "I talked to an I talked to this amazing inmate, and he's facing X Y Z time." My husband didn't see nothing else. He did not see no. Everything else was was Chinese script, basically. He sends me an email back, guys, and he's like, "Okay, baby, that sounds so good. I'm so happy for you. You deserve all this." But I'm trying to figure out what does talking to another dude have to do with your movement. <laughs> I thought you were for the wives. And I'm like, oh my God, what? <laughs> like, my husband just basically said, fuck everybody else in prison. Damn all of that. I thought you were teen wife. Like, why are you talking to the men? And I'm like, oh my God, this man is so crazy. So I email him back. I'm like, baby, just say, you know what I'm saying? You get jealous sometimes because your wife is a shit. I understand. You know, but he, oh my God, it was so cute. It was so cute, y'all. And me and my friend laughed so damn hard about it because it's like my husband didn't hear nothing. He didn't read nothing. And I already told him I interviewed a couple. He basically like, what in the world does me interviewing this dude have to do with my movement? And I'm like, well, damn, I didn't even know I'm a movement. I guess you can call me Rashida Shabazz something something. Like, I'm like, what movement <laughs> do I have? And then he's like, I thought you were for the wives. I'm for the wives. I am for the wives. But I'm like, well, baby, without the wives, 
And the husbands, how do I tell the story? I have to have the husband and the wives to tell the story, baby. Like, I have to have both of them. So, I had to literally email him back and crack a joke with him because I promise y'all, my husband didn't see nothing else, but I talked to a whole other inmate. And I'm like, oh my God, my husband basically saying, damn, all of y'all. <laughs> I can't talk to y'all. I got to be like, nope, can't talk to you. Where's your wife? <laughs> so, I thought it was cute, but it was funny as hell. It was truly, truly funny. But I end up emailing him back and I'm telling him, no, baby, I talked to both of them. You know, I have to talk to both of them. This is what this podcast is about. But <laughs> my husband don't care. Forget your story and what you're going through. <laughs> I can't do nothing but talk to your wife. <laughs> but it was the cutest thing. He's so cute. I love my husband. Um, so yeah, that was the that was so crazy. But He's doing amazing, guys. He is doing amazing. Five more days. We have five more days till he gets his minutes back again. But, guys, let me tell you, my husband surprised me last night. I was asleep. I had dozed off. And all of a sudden, my phone rang. And I'm like, federal? What? You know, like, it's 1130. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like panicking a little bit a little i'm getting better i panic a little bit like what in the world so when i pick up the phone and i hear you know his voice and he's like baby i'm like yeah he's like man i only got one minute left left i've been saving this one minute i just had to call and hear your voice i was like oh my god see what i'm saying it's the little things it's the little things so he had been saving one minute he had one minute left guys and he used his one minute to call me because he said he missed me so much and not talking to him um, not talking to me, he feels like it's so much distance in between us now because we haven't talked. He ran out of minutes. And he's like, that's all I got is these one minute. I just one minute. I just want to call, you know, tell you that I love you. I miss you so much. And I was like, oh my God, but I said, I love you so much. And I'm like, well, why would you tease me with this one damn minute? And the phone hung up. <laughs> but just to know just to know that he called me with that one last minute was everything. It makes me think about that movie. I can't think of the name right now with Gabrielle Union and Mars Chestnut. And when um Loretta, wait, not Loretta. Um, Dang, what's the lady's name? I can't think of her name. The mama, the mama of all movies. Um, And she's made a comment and said, if he gives you your last chicken wing, that's how you know he's in love with you. And that's, what I thought of, I'm like, he gave me his last minute, his last and only minute until five, you know, until five days come. And that meant everything to me. And I thought it was so cute. Like he had already been emailing me yesterday saying how he just feels so distant from me. I mean, he's, he's, he was in Georgia the whole time before he got his sentence in. And now that he is in a whole totally different state, I do feel a distance that he feels because, I mean, I could literally just drive to wherever he was in 45 minutes to an hour, um, an hour and 30 minutes at the most, you know. So now he's somewhere else. It I, I feel it as well, but not being able to talk to him... Um, I could, I could feel that. And on top of the fact, the way me and my husband started off talking, I talked to my husband every day, several times a day when he was here in Georgia. I was able to physically, 
look at my husband's face, do video visits. So I haven't even seen my husband's face since before Christmas. So I'm just, I miss him. I really miss him. And I definitely feel exactly how he feels. Um, now within the little, um, hiccup that we had last week, I did make some phone calls. I actually did call Senator Warnock's office, of course, of the direction of my husband. My husband wanted me to call everybody. I'm telling you, the military, the army, the Navy, the president, the vice president, Obama, Michelle Obama, the senator, the, I mean, he wanted me to call everybody. Okay. The pound, the dog patrol, um, the hospital, the news, like he wanted me to call everybody. Okay. So I did call Senator Warnock's office and surprisingly so I did get a phone call back within an hour of me making that phone call. Well, actually I sent an email. I sent an email explaining my husband's situation of his two points. And within an hour, I did get a phone call from a guy, um, Mr. Carter, who was amazing. He actually gave me some new information to help me help my husband and um put me in the right direction and so I was very grateful for that but I was also happy I could put that to bed because my husband wanted me to I'm telling y'all he wanted me to make some picket signs and go outside the senator's office about these two points but I'm so glad I was able to make that phone call and give my husband the information so that we could move forward what we need to do now. And so that was an amazing thing to happen. I didn't expect to get a phone call that fast. Literally within an hour, I got a phone call. So now I have some new information, some new developments that can help my husband. And I am, of course, working on that. But... Outside of that, guys, my husband is amazing. He's doing fine. Um, spirits are up. Minutes are down. <laughs> but he's doing good. He's doing great. I emailed him this morning. Of course, you know, I email him every morning and tell him good morning and also at night to tell him good night. So we are fine. We got through it. I love my husband. That poem that you hear me um reading in the very beginning of the episode that's the poem that my husband wrote me and i love it i i really love it i i wish i could get it written out and put on a something and hang it up on my wall knowing me i'm gonna find out a way but that is the update on my husband guys again thank you so much for continuing to pray for him keeping him uplifted it is very appreciated of course thank you for praying for me because your girl be needing it sometimes and i will continue to pray for all of you out there and that is the update on my husband guys and we are going to jump into a serious note facts and this is episode 16 So today on A Serious No Facts, I wanted to talk about a few things pertaining my husband's case. Now, if you guys recall earlier in the episode, I talked to you about my husband getting his two points, well, his two points for COVID, but not for having COVID. Let me make sure I clarify that. 
they were giving out, and I believe they still are, they were giving out two points for inmates that were not able to go to court due to COVID. So they were getting a two-point COVID reduction. And within that process, you know, of my husband getting his plea deal, as I explained earlier, a part of him signing his plea in a timely fashion came with him being able to gain two points for COVID and it was on a deadline. He had to sign it at a certain time because the actual um, point reduction was going to expire. Now, um, I had got some very good information from Senator Warnock's office in regards to how to go about doing this because of the fact that once my husband got sentenced, his points were not a part of his of his the number which they um for the sentencing guidelines how they come up the scale of how they come up with your sentence so that has been what we have been fighting for and the information that i got was basically i needed to go to the bar association and complain about the severity of my husband's attorney not being proactive and making sure that he got his points not being proactive and making sure that he signed his sentencing um, agreement and making sh- and and not being proactive in letting him read his PSI. So I end up pulling up some things about the actual bar association um, paperwork, and it basically just kind of tells you how you're supposed the eth- the ethnical responsibilities of your counsel. So before you complain about your attorney, your 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 loved one's attorney, they actually have a they actually have uh, instructions. Okay, so important instructions, and you have to read. This is you sending a grievance about the counsel. The purpose of grievance: all lawyers must comply with the ethics rules. These rules describe a lawyer's obligation to clients, the courts, and the general public in professional dealings. The purpose of this process is to protect the public by disciplining lawyers who violate the ethic rules. Our office cannot consider complaints against judges acting in judicial captivity. It basically breaks down the procedure of how to start this process, which basically you bring it to them, the office investigate. Um, and then it's just a, it's a process like anything else. It's a legal process. Um, within these instructions, they also add a note just saying to please understand that this office is, cannot represent you, give you any legal advice, change the outcome of the court decisions or recover money for you. And after you read those instructions, it basically explains to you how to submit this through the Bar Association. And I actually didn't even think about that this was actually a thing, that this was actually some kind of um, complaint that we could actually put in because it was the responsibility of the attorney to make sure that my husband um, signed everything, got everything, and everything was done properly, and which it was not. Now, what I want to jump into, I want to explain to you about the sentencing guidelines and, and these points I keep talking about. So I'm going to 
take a few minutes and I'm going to read to you what actually I am talking about and what I even learned about how the federal government um, does sentencing based on the guidelines. So under the federal sentencing guidelines, convictions for drug crimes can lead to long prison sentences, even for low-level nonviolent drug possession offenders. With so many people incarcerated on simple drug charges, long prison sentences did nothing to curb drug use and resulted in mass incarceration, breaking up families and costing taxpayers billions of dollars. Changes to the federal system got system I'm sorry, changes to the federal sentencing guidelines have been slow. But one of the most important changes has come from Amendment 782. This amendment, also known as Drugs Minus 2, reduces the offenses level for most drug charges. This has significantly significantly decreased the lengthy prison sentences, and because it applies retroactively, thousands of individuals can take advantage of the amendment to have their sentence reduced and get out of prison. Federal Sentencing Guidelines The federal sentencing guideline can be confusing, even for prosecutors and judges. In order to calculate the range of a prisoner's sentence, federal judges uses a formula that factors in the severity of their crime with their criminal history. Taken together, the judge must choose a correctly calculated range, which is the sentencing commission recommended term of imprisonment for the particular defendant. Then the court must consider as one of the sentencing factors before imposing sentencing. First, an offense level is selected from one to 43, with 43 being the maximum. The offense level may be adjusted based on aggravating or uh, mitigating factors, the relationship with the victim and other factors. Then, criminal history points are calculated from a low of zero up to 13 or more. After graphing the offense level against the criminal history points, the judge will have a sentencing range in terms of months. Imprisonment ranges from zero to six months for the lowest offense level up to life in prison for the highest offense level. Drugs minus two amendment. The U.S. Sentencing Commission recommended adjusting the Sentencing Commission's drug quality table with provided different offenses levels on the quantity of drugs involved. The commission voted to adopt Amendment 728, which reduced drug offense levels by two. If a drug offense of a certain amount of cocaine resulted in an offense level of 16, it would be reduced by two levels to a base offense level of 14. A two-level offense reduction could result in a reduced prison sentence of six months or more. A level 31 offense for someone with no criminal history could have a prison sentence range from 100 and eight to 135 months 135 months that's nine years to 11 years and three months 
After a downward adjustment, a level 29 offense for someone with no criminal history could have a prison sentence from 87 to 108 months. That's seven years, three months to nine years. That could mean an individual's sentence is reduced by more than two years. Drugs minus two does not apply to all individuals convicted of drug crimes. Career offender, career offenders may not be eligible. These are individuals over the age of 18 convicted of a felony crime of violence or drug offense with two prior felony convictions for a crime of violence or drug offense. This is sometimes known as a three strike law. The lawyers of the Carmichael, Carmichael Elite PLLC, which this is where I'm getting this article, have been working on sentence reductions of this sort since 2007. Now, the drug minus two amendment went into effect November 1st, 2014, reducing the offense level for individual sentence after that date. However, the commission also applied the reduction retroactively taking effect on November 1st, 2015. This means that individuals already sentenced could seek a reduction in their prison sentence based on the reduced offense level. With retroactive effect, the amendment could result in relief, relief of thousands of prisoners serving time for drug offense. The two-level adjustment will not automatically re result in a sentence reduction. Individuals will have to speak will have to seek relief under the amendment by filing a motion to pursue 18 USC 3582C2. Okay? This is actually the actual amendment filing that you will have to pursue. Judges will look at each applicant on a case-by-case -case basis. This includes whether the individual is eligible for a reduction, if a reduction is warranted, and how lowered offense level will affect the individual's prison system. I'm sorry, prison sentence. Now, the reason why I'm giving you that is because based on my husband's attorney at the time again he was he it was said that he would do 65 months that changed when my husband's psi his pre-sentencing report came back which that really brought a lot of his old criminal activity or his old cases or if he was incarcerated before it brings up everything being that my husband had been incarcerated before it did enhance him by two by four extra points that brought his number up to the 71 to 108 months, which his attorney pretty much reassured that he would try to get him um, at 108 months at, at the most, because that's the maximum with that actual sentencing guideline number. My husband had a 29, okay? The 29 included all his points plus the COVID Two points of the COVID points. When my husband was sentenced, his number was at a 31, which means that they did not include his two points, which brought him back to 135 at the low number. And I think it's like 200 and something at the high, which is close to 25 years, I want to say. Now, my husband definitely qualifies for having a uh, drug minus two reduction due to the fact that 
he's not a a career offender. If you remember, if you go back, that is what the probation people, the people who do the PSI were trying to do to him. They were trying to make him out to be a career offender. And this is why myself, his niece, his sister, and his family was opposed of him going to trial. Had my husband went to trial, they would have painted him out to be a career offender. Although legally, he does not fit the requirements to be a career offender. But this is what they were trying to do to him. And so the judge was not going to accept that because they didn't have, that wasn't the case. He didn't qualify for, he didn't meet the requirements for, no matter what they tried to say, bring up, there was no documentation to support that. And that's how my husband was not considered a career offender. And so this is why his two points are very, very important to him because those two points literally take off two years of his sentence. And again, that's what we are fighting for. But I wanted to just go through these guidelines for you guys and also tell you, as I say, every episode do your research do your research find out learn about the sentencing guidelines i had to to get familiar with it i even had to learn about what because what makes you a career offender i had to learn about the two prior felony convictions the time frame everything i literally started doing my research so i could better understand what my husband was about to face what he was going through and a lot of times guys as as Marie said before, coming from someone else, coming from the outside people, coming from somebody that's locked up with you is different from when it comes from your wife or your loved one because they know, they trust us. They trust us. They believe in everything that we say. They believe that we're telling them the correct things and that we're doing it with with everything with them in consideration they know we're not going to hurt them or steer them in the wrong direction so it's very important for you to do your research find out as much as you can try to exhaust all avenues when it comes to trying to bring your loved one home as i am trying to do myself and that guys is my serious no facts that's my series no facts again thank you guys for joining me thank you guys for tuning in to episode 16 four more episodes guys four more episodes and we are walking into season two and i am so excited i just got my my amazing hats my my wedlock hats I got my wetlock hoodie. I have face mask. I'll be giving out face masks to people for anybody who does interviews with me. The wives, because you know I'm, I'm about the wives. All the wives that do the interviews for me will get a t-shirt, will get a mask. I will have more things um, as time develops. When the Freedom Fest comes, which I think will be in July at Grant Park, which is hosted by my friend Demita Bishop of Fair Organization, I will have plenty of stuff then to towels, cups, you name it. I will definitely have a lot of stuff as I will be there um, doing my podcast live. So again, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for being on this journey with me. I promise to bring you more amazing content. I thank you guys for sticking in there. Don't forget, if you are on the Apple platform, if you use Apple to listen to your podcast, 
my bonus episodes channels now you can subscribe to for $4.99 a month. I have a deal going on for $55 for the whole entire year. You get a three-day free trial if you want to check out the bonus episodes, which is exclusive content, access to early episodes and everything. So it would definitely be worth your money. Um, if you're on a Spotify platform, you can subscribe through Spotify. Sometimes I have questions up there. You can answer questions. You can answer some of the poll questions. Um, you can even go onto the website. The link is in the Wetlock Chronicles podcast Instagram page. And you can join the discussion forums, give comments. You can leave voice messages if you have comments you want to leave. Email me if you want to submit questions if you want to get on here if you want to you know if you want me to interview your your husband you yourself or your husband hey send me all your information i am totally up to it this is what this podcast is about it is about the love again guys thank you so much this is episode 16 Well, guys, this concludes our episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you were entertained. And most of all, I hope you will continue this journey with me. Be sure to hit the subscribe button, guys. As I stated in my previous episodes, as I continue this journey, I will get better. I promise to bring you good content to keep you entertained. Make sure to follow the show's social media. Instagram is Wetlock Chronicles Podcast. Twitter is Wetlock Podcast. If you want to submit questions, advice, or comment on the show, hit the message link in the show's description and I will respond on my bonus episode on Fridays. For brand promotions, if you want to join in on an episode, share a story, spread some knowledge, please email me. Please email me at wetlockchroniclespodcast at gmail.com. Wetlockchroniclespodcast at gmail.com. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you guys for being on this journey with me. I look forward to bringing you my next episode. So please stay safe, stay blessed, and welcome to Wetlock. You can find this podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcast, Anchor FM, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcast. For episode updates, upcoming live episodes, discussion forms, and contact information, please visit the website, wetlockchronicles.com. Yay!